0: The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today. Friday it begins the slow, attritional demise of your cherished dreams for the season. Today, then, we savour these final poignant hours when anything is still possible. New strikers, can any of them do a Ravinelli first-day hat-trick debut? Established players, why them switching clubs gives us more New Jersey headaches than Tony Soprano with Richie Aprile? And loads of other questions as well, including does Forrest's Horn camp interest mean he can't do the gold show anymore? All that and more in this Totally Football Show. Uh And hello, listener. Thank you for being with us on this most auspicious of days. Thursday, 4th of August. I'm excited. You're excited. Tom Williams is excited. Hey, Tom. Oh, yes. Hello, James. Yes. Adrian Clark's with us as well. All right, Adrian. All right. Yeah, absolutely buzzing. Brilliant. Brilliant. And Laurie Whitwell's here too. Uh, Laurie, fresh back from Down Under. Hi, James. How do the eye bags look? Yeah, no, they look great. They look great. Listener, they look great. Brackets. Narrator's <laughs> voice. Laurie's eye bags looked great. For the purposes uh, of the tape, Laurie doesn't look <laughs> too sad. Laurie, you've you got a big, an unnaturally big grin right now. And I know that's because it's the, uh, the opening weekend of the season. It's an exciting time. Producer Charlie is an Arsenal fan, says it means the day the Gunners get knocked off the top of the table. Although, of course, AFC Bournemouth in many places, are currently occupying top spot. It is early to look at the league table, though. Um, oh, wait, Laurie, what are you most looking forward to from the next few days? Just
1: football being back. Is that so... Is that is it naff? Um, I think probably, from a Manchester United perspective, that's the club that I cover, you know, a bit more of reality as well. You know, I was away in uh, Asia and Australia and it was all nice and blissful. And now here we are in the meaty end and
0: Premier League defeats are incoming, I think. Oh, yeah? Mm. All right, uh, Brighton, the opponents at Old Trafford uh, for this weekend's season opener for Man United. And reality already poking its nose round the door with, the course of course, all that Ten Hag. Ronaldo leaving early is unacceptable business, but we'll get on to that later on. Tom, much for you to discuss because you're off to Paris this weekend as another season of French coverage of the Premier League gets underway. We'll be asking you what they're most interested in later on. I want to ask Adrian as well, if you're going along to Friday's opener, at Selhurst Park, Adrian? Uh,
2: no, I'm working for Emirates Studio, actually. Oh. So, yeah, I'm not going to be there, which is kind of frustrating, but um, I'm expecting a, a, a full throttle opening yeah. night. I, th- I think that'd be, yeah, there should be goals. I think plenty of excitement. Hopefully, um, Arsenal can actually show up this time. They were mm. battered at Selhurst Park back in April, so they owe Patrick one. They really do. Yeah, Patrick Vieira has had one over them last season, so it's time has- for revenge.
0: As, as an Arsenal insider, can you reveal, has uh, Mikel Arteta been playing glad all over to the boys in <laughs> <laughs> training to acclimatise
2: uh, I think it's only right. I, look, I shouldn't say this, but I'm not sure not that sure? I'm having that. No, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about the whole blaring the music out over the speakers. I think if I was a player, I would have been taking the piss out of that. Behind the managers back a little bit, I think. Mm. Um, but it's nice to try new things, but not sure it
3: would have made the slightest bit of difference. I mean, it's the sort of thing, if, if it had worked, it would have looked great. Because then hmm. you get the story, and this is you know this is where it began. Arteta right. uh, and his team looked at looked at how Arsenal had struggled at Anfield. You know what was it? What were the things that had sort of unsettled the players? And they realised that it was you know listening to "You'll Never Walk Alone" and all the rest of it. But to to, <laughs> to have that scene followed by an emphatic four 0 defeat is um, great. TV. Yeah, is not is not is not a great look. But I mean i i went to the I went to the the premiere of the. The, the, the Arsenal documentary that this scene appears in. And I felt a little bit of sympathy for Arteta in that you see quite a lot of his team talks and it must be difficult to find ways to, to motivate footballers every three or four days, you know, new messages. And, you know, I, I'm sure there must be an awful lot of managers who lapse into cliche and who lapse into corniness. Um, but there were a few moments where you thought... If you take away sort of the swelling strings of the soundtrack, as Arteta speaks, and the very artfully chosen shots of the players all looking, you know, attentive and, and sort of engaged, this is a little bit sort of Spanish Brendan Rogers. It's the sort of thing that Brendan Rogers would be absolutely hammered for, Um but at the same time, I mean, you know, if you've, if you've got to come up with inventive ways of, of you know, g your players up every three mm. or four days, I'm not surprised that you end up coming up with stuff that, that, that just seems pure David Brent every now and again.
0: Well, so Amazon have done all or nothing on Arsenal. We can get into it in more detail later on, but very briefly, worth watching, not worth watching, on a scale of Sunderland till I die
3: to uh, the pogumentary, where would you put <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> If, if you're an Arsenal fan, I mean, very yeah. much up towards the Sunderland Till I Die oh. end. If you're not an Arsenal fan, um, I mean, if, you, you know, if you're maybe a rubber-necking Tottenham fan who, who <laughs> wants to relive Arsenal's failure to finish in the <laughs> top four last season, possibly even higher. Um, but if you fought into neither of those camps, maybe, maybe further towards the bottom of the scale.
0: OK, well, if you are an Arsenal fan, you'll know that... Uh, Palace is the opening fixture for the Gunners on Friday. That's followed in the Premier League by Saturday's six games. Fulham against Liverpool. Welcome back. Bournemouth, meantime, entertain Aston Villa. Newcastle are up against Nottingham Forest. Spurs have Southampton. Tipped to go down in the Athletics' big Premier League preview, which is out on Thursday. Leeds are up against Wolves and Everton host Chelsea. Interesting one, that. Frank Lampard, etc. Sunday, Leicester-Brentford. Manchester United Football Club against Brighton and Hove Albion. And West Ham, Manchester City. Wow. Of course, we're going to pick out some of the juiciest footballing prospects from that list. But opening weekend is the most exciting weekend of the season. And in honour of that, producer Charlie has done a montage of his favourite opening weekend memories.
4: You need to buy players. You can't win anything with kids.
2: waiting on the edge of the six-yard area
3: and Dean scores.
4: here's anderton with the cross
2: clinton's free and he's marked his debut with a goal
0: ravenelli ravenelli yes it's a hat-trick
3: gary taylor fletcher celebrates it's 4-0 to blackpool oh, here it goes, here it goes.
4: Chambers, he's doing just that. Sadio Mane wanting a goal for himself, and what a glorious goal he's got! And Beckham saw Sullivan off his line. Oh, that is absolutely
1: phenomenal! All right, was was your favourite in there, Laurie? Um, I'm going to say the uh, 3-1 uh, Aston Villa. The you don't win anything with kids from Alan Hansen, just because it sticks in my mind. Um, I was obviously was a young kid at the time. The grey kits, uh, the fact that United got trounced, Beckham scored a sort of speculative goal at the end, though, to give us a little bit of hope and a little bit of encouragement for the season. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, the, the lull before
0: the rise, I suppose. Indeed. Adrian, what are your opening day memories?
2: I remember the. F- actually, it's the anniversary, isn't it? It's the 30th season of the Premier League, and I was I think there.
0: It's the 31st, actually. Wow, well, okay. So Yeah, yeah. But no, I know, but 30, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> going to call it a number, anyway. call it the right one. I mean, just
2: anyway, um, I was there on the first weekend, the opening day of the Premier League, full stop. I'm that old, and asked to entertain Norwich, and it was a classic. Uh, because ahead of kickoff, lots of razzmatazz around the Premier League, parachutes, parachutists landed on the centre circle or they're supposed to land on the centre circle and one of them uh, crashed into the mural <laughs> behind the goal because Arsenal would, were building a new stand in the north bank they had a basically a, a giant piece of cardboard behind the goal and, and one of the parachutes <laughs> crashed into that so that was a good start and then uh, Arsenal went 2-0 up and, and ended up losing 4-2 to Norwich Crancy. City which was uh, which was crazy very very memorable I was roasting hot in my <sighs> I don't know how to describe it. Fur- used to have big furry sort of blazers back in those days, very sort of oversized jackets. And yeah, it was furry even in blazers. August, what,
3: what, what an image!
2: <laughs> yeah, awful. Yeah, we had to be smart, you see. You had to, you had to, be, you had to be smart. I'm sure, I'm sure I am sure. would have got that taken it off, but I just remember being roasty.
0: Interesting. Wow, a living piece of history, Agent Clark, for you there. <laughs> Can you trust opening day results in the same way that you can't trust preseason results?
2: No, I don't think so. No, I think no? I think the I think there's a higher probability of a freak result on the opening day of the season than, than than at any other stage in the campaign. Definitely, because because various teams often aren't ready, are they? I mean, look at Everton. We'll talk to them in a, uh, shortly. They don't look ready. They haven't got a striker, which just just is bizarre. Haven't got a striker. Um, but but you yeah you, you always get teams that are a little bit undercooked. You never quite know where you are because you're doing your thing. You're getting fit in your own environment. You never quite you can't gauge how you are compared to everybody else, and and sometimes it it, it can go horribly wrong in a, in a surprise way. So yeah, I think there'll be a few shocks this weekend.
0: Interesting, Tom. We heard Ravanelli's hat trick in there. They're the first and still to this day the only player to score a hat trick on his Premier League debut. Borough drawing three three with Liverpool in 1996. Will somebody do a Ravanelli this time and might it be at the London Stadium where Erling Haaland makes his league debut, especially given his habit of doing hat-tricks on debuts elsewhere in his Bundesliga debut three goals, his Champions League debut three goals.
3: Yeah, I mean I, as a as a football fan who who came of age in the in the mid-late 90s, all of those clips sort of produced a, a Proustian rush for me and I remember that the, the Ravanelli <laughs> one, the the white feather in those heady days at the old, he was twenty-eight there. then. I looked, I looked, he was twenty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> did
1: you remember exactly how we did the celebration as well? Because I knew he got his chest up, but I'd sort of forgotten that he just put the, oh, shirt, the shirt over his shirt head. Over the head, mm. classic. Kind of, but, oh,
3: the, no, yeah. the number of like lads in the playground at my school who were like running into goalposts, <laughs> running into each other <laughs> while cel- celebrating goals at lunchtime in the in, in the weeks that followed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, there is there is. I was going to say there's hat-trick potential in that West Ham Man City game. I mean, there is hat-trick potential in every football match that is ever played, of course. But I guess, yeah, when you've got a big name centre-forward on both teams, that feels like a proper opening day fixture, doesn't it? Um, mm. As Holland... Has Holland, I'm trying to think what shirt numbers they've got. As Holland got... The, did he get the nine from Jesus? And Skamaka, I think, has got the seven. So again, like they've got proper shirt numbers as well. And yeah, I mean, I, th- I think without, without kind of... Overemphasizing this, I think incorporating uh, Erling Haaland into their starting eleven is is going to be a, a challenge for City, and and perhaps a bigger challenge than than people necessarily realise. Um, and I, you know, I've said this before, and you go back to last summer and, and Chelsea signing Lukaku, who we all thought was going to be the missing piece of the of the, of the jigsaw when a team has learnt to play without a centre-forward as successfully as City have, and as successfully as Chelsea have done the season before, when you then add a centre-forward to that mix, it's not just an addition, it's also a subtraction. And we saw that in the Community Shield, the number of times that Holland seeing his teammates in advanced positions just starts bolting it down the pitch towards the opposition goal and not getting the ball. Mm. And as good as he is, as good as City's attacking players are, I'm, I'm sure they will figure it out, but it's... There are no guarantees that he's he's going to hit the ground running. And when you kind of look at the balance of power between City and Liverpool and having to adapt to the new signings they've each made, I think it would be easier for Liverpool to incorporate the, the players they've signed because they're basically slotting into the same system and being asked to do similar things. Whereas City playing with an out-and-out centre-forward... Particularly with that kind of profile, is 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 a novelty. So it, mm. it might it might take him time to find his feet. He might score a hat trick at, at London Stadium. He might
0: well do. He might well do. Adrian, you mentioned upsets. A City lost their opening fixture last season. That was the same time slot, Sunday, four thirty, where it Spurs. And they didn't have much luck at the London Stadium either. Uh, they didn't win either of their visits there last season in the League Cup and the Premier League. Who's who's ready to tip a grand start for the Hammers? Then I'm not. I, no.
2: There's this sort of I think there's a misconception that that West Ham are a bit of a bogey team for Man City. Um, City are 13 unbeaten against West Ham. So so I don't think that you know Moyes hasn't re- Moyes always seems to run them closer than a lot of other teams. Um but but I think I still think City's class. And I I do agree with Tom on on the adaptation period but this guy can score all types of goals and providing they get in and around the penalty box and, and put the ball in there, I think they, that he's going to score a, a hatful of goals. Watch out for Jack Grealish, by the way, on this on, in this match. He scored, talk about lucky grounds, he scored on his last three visits to London Stadium and all three were really good goals. He scored in that 2-2 draw at the end of last season and he got two during the pandemic for Villa. As well, um, good solo goals. So he loves it there.
1: They, and, they all mentioned that as well, think, didn't they, Adrian, I think, those yeah, goals? Yeah, Keith they Villa did. Give to the title.
2: Exactly. And I think he might be the player that benefits from Erling Haaland's arrival because I think he's he's, he's, a, he's a kind of guy that might tee him up in the way that that Haaland wants. So, yeah, watch this space. I think, yeah, Haaland can make Grealish better.
0: Hmm so far a lot of question marks over how the integration is going to work but there could be an emphatic response to that come Sunday afternoon from Pep and the boys meanwhile Yin to Man City's title rival Yang are Liverpool who are at Fulham who last time they were up took four points off the Reds that was the 2020-21 season which ended with the cottages going down, they're back now, they've got Marco Silver in charge, his fourth different Premier League outfit how have the other ones worked out Checks notes. Hmm. His last Premier League game, actually, curious enough, was against Liverpool. Uh, that was in charge of Everton. It finished five-two at Anfield in, in in the derby. He lost his job subsequently. Uh, other Fulham thoughts. It could be a busy afternoon for their new keeper Bernd Leno, if he gets the nod.
3: Yeah, I mean Fulham are they? They are the proverbial yo-yo team, aren't they? And um, you know we've we've been here before. Uh, twice in the last uh, in the last few years, you know, going up uh, in in convincing fashion, um, and then going down in in equally convincing uh, fashion. Uh, and yeah, I get the question as ever with Fulham is, can they translate what they did in the Championship last season to 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 the Premier League, which is what's proved beyond them in in uh, in previous seasons. I mean, there's been a, a, a less conspicuous. Transfer splurge than the last couple of times they came up. Some interesting signings you mentioned: Bernd Leno, who you know is, is an excellent goalkeeper. João Palinha, um, Portuguese international, holding midfielder. Feels like quite a sort of a canny buy and the sort of player you you need if you're gonna if you're gonna hit the ground running. Um, and as ever, Alexander Mitrovic. Is he gonna score goals in the Premier League? And he does feel like one of those players whose level is somewhere between the championship and the Premier League. And he, I mean, he, he, you know, the amount of goals he scored last season was absurd. 43. You know, he blew the championship to smithereens, but as yet, despite him having a profile that you would think would make him suited to, to, to Premier League football. Okay, he's mm. not particularly quick, but he's got the he's got the physicality. He's very good in the air. You know, he's, he's strong with his back to goal. It hasn't yet translated into you know into Premier League goals and, you know, and that, that will inevitably be a factor. I think if, if Fulham can find a way of, of you know of, of putting him in positions and, and he can he can get some decent numbers on the board, then then you know that'd be a significant step in you know, a significant step towards securing safety.
0: Adrian, why is it that Mitrovic hasn't had the same kind of returns in, in the Premier League? Do you think that there is a Premier League striker there? I do. Yeah, I do. But it is hard.
2: When I look at him, I think he's got the tools to hurt Premier League teams because they're not accustomed to facing strikers of his ilk. Big guys, people that can really knock centre-halves around. When a cross comes into the box, they can just overpower them and head it into the goal and knock the defender flat flat on his face at the same time, you you would think he would be a Premier League defender's nightmare because they're not accustomed to that as much as they used to be. But yeah, I, I think it's the sharpness. I think it's the speed of Premier League players that's the issue. He's a big unit and he's not that quick. He's not that mobile. He hasn't got twinkle toes. He can't accelerate past a defender in the Premier League like he can in the Championship. And I think that's the, that's the key difference. So I think they're going to have to provide him with really good service for him to 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 score plenty of goals this season you know chances where they're on a plate for him i think he just lacks that acceleration it's just a one or two yards of pace which makes the difference between being a revelation in the championship and being okay in the premier league mm-hmm. all
0: right you mentioned Everton Chelsea a fixture heavy with question marks so uh, let's get on to that next <laughs>
4: we're sponsored for this episode of the totally football show by shopify shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify's there to help you grow from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person pos system wherever and whatever you're selling shopify has got you covered Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to the Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot slash totally. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on the Athletic. This is the Totally Football Show with James Richardson.
0: Premier League players are not going to be doing the pre-match anti-racism taking the knee gesture. I read this season the Premier League captains took the decision after consulting with players. Instead, they will perform it before certain rounds of games, including the Boxing Day fixtures. First ones back off the World Cup, that, and Cup
3: Finals. Hmm. Yeah, I mean it. it... It seems unfortunate, in a way, in the, and at the risk of being looking at it in a simplistic way, the taking the knee is a protest against racial injustice. Mm. So why would you stop protesting against that while racial injustice still exists? I mean, and you know, taking the knee is not going to bring racial injustice to an end, but. You know, this idea that people have kind of had enough of it, that its son of served its purpose. The kind of point is is to kind of shove it down people's throats, because Mm. this is this is what it feels like to live with racial injustice. And, you know, almost to the extent that, well, surely they should just be doing it more, do it for longer. I think the power of having that image before every single Premier League game, every person around the world who watches a Premier League match, watches the taking of the knee and has to think about what that means and why the players are doing it. And that is, you know, that is, that is a powerful thing. At the same time, it's up to the players. It's not up to the rest of us to decide. If that's how they feel is the best way of doing it, then, you know, then, then fair play. And the fact they're going to be doing it this weekend and before all those key fixtures mean it, it will still be, you know, it, it will still be part of the season. Um, and yeah, you know, you, you hope that, that even with the players doing it less frequently, the message will, will, still, get, will still get through.
2: Indeed, yeah, there could be an argument that it, that it becomes more powerful when used sparingly. I think, um, when there are a lot of eyes on certain matches, you know, these the strategic dates in the diary where they're going to be used. Um, you know, they're all I'm, big, I'm big Tom, moments though. in the campaign. I'm, I'm no, not i I, I agree, I agree but it's down to the players though, it's that it's, it's them that are making the gesture, mm. and they've, I'm assuming, they've had votes among the clubs you know hands up who who wants to carry on who who doesn't yeah I think you have to respect the democracy among the players for I don't think sure. it, th- this doesn't mean that the players don't care about racial inequality I think it's about the you know the use of that message and whether it, it maybe is better served used more sparingly but but I can see the argument for Tom as well you know
0: it also depends if you if you replace that weekly uh, gesture with with something else but Whilst I totally respect their decision, as as Tom says, having started the gesture, the act of stopping it without any significant change to the conditions that a lot of people... Uh, uh, A living with, is in itself a gesture. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, will be taken as such perhaps by some. Anyway, there you go. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's nice that they've been doing it and it's been great that the Premier League has has been promoting that and it it has done a lot for the message. Uh, Clearly, a long way to go. Everton taking on Chelsea at 5.30 on Saturday. I mentioned question marks over this, not least who will play up front for the Toffees who literally don't have the striker available. Solomon Rondon is suspended. Uh, oh, look, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's picked up an injury. Um, crikey, Laurie. Yeah, I mean, what has happened to Dominic
1: Calvert-Lewin? Because, I mean, a couple of seasons ago, you know, he was England sort of in the, in the squad, in the team, scoring goals. Uh, you know, other clubs were looking at him, 70 million, and last scene just sort of drifted away didn't it and then this one looks like it's starting the same way um, selling Richarlison though okay a lot of money that they got for him from Tottenham but without having a replacement ready is kind of mad business I mean I know Everton aren't exactly the smoothest of sellers or buyers um, in recent years so maybe it just follows along that theme but um, yeah and then Salomon you your one guy that you can go okay we'll just stick him up front um, he's suspended brilliant um, I mean I don't know who, who actually are they going to start up front Um
3: I bet they never thought they'd regret uh, letting Tussin leave because he's gone to Sixers this <laughs> summer. But he might he might have actually got a game for once if he's correct. Chentosson, awesome.
2: that's a that's a blast from the past. Blimey, yeah. I I can only think of Delhi Ali really being a, as a, like a false nine. That's, that's crazy, that's, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because even yeah. he wasn't I mean, like in the team at the end of the season. Really, was he? He was like you know no. in and out and. I mean, Frank Lampard oh, right. obviously. The end of that last season was all about emotion, wasn't it? It was all about getting Goodison up and at him, and maybe they just have a guy up front that can kick a few players, and that'll be enough to kind of get a draw, or maybe a dodgy penalty if Anthony Gordon goes down, and then they, um, you know, they can they can squeak a one 0 win. But I mean, it, it looks pretty desperate for Everton, doesn't
0: it? I mean, and it looked pretty desperate at the end of last season. You're sort of thinking they need they need some signings, and it's not really happened, has it? I mean, in terms of the opening day fixtures, the good news for the Toffees is they have the best ongoing run in the top flight unbeaten on the opening day for the last 10 campaigns. Chelsea, meanwhile, have lost each of their last four visits to Goodison Park, a fixture, of course, of huge significance for Frank Lampard as he faces the man who replaced him on the Chelsea bench, uh, Thomas Tuchel.
3: I mean, it's an interesting one, I think, for for Lampard and for Everton, because as, as Laurie says, they stayed up last season by going back to basics. I think when Lampard came in he, he had ideas about the kind of football he might want to play and, and realised quite quickly that there you know, that there wasn't time to to, to put anything more sophisticated into place. And so they basically just went for it and turned Goodison Park into a a cauldron in in tried and tested relegation (laughs) battle cliche. And you go back to that, the the game against Chelsea uh, in May, um, which they won, uh, winner from Richarlison, who then lobbed the... Flare into the into the stand which earned him the suspension which rules him out of um of tottenham's game against southampton but that was the kind of archetypal everton performance of the back end of last season the fans out in the street around the stadium with the blue flares Setting fireworks off outside the Chelsea team hotel the night before, and, and and Everton just really flying out of the traps, really getting stuck into Chelsea. Jordan Pickford pulling off miracles in the in in, in the Everton goal, and it, it proved enough to to get them a win that, that ended up being a really important component in in you know what was ultimately a successful fight to avoid relegation. You can't approach an entire season playing football like that. Um, I mean, I'd love it if they did. It would be, it would be great to see, but I mean, it, it's it's not sustainable. And, and the challenge, therefore, facing Frank Lampard is is to is to really put his mark on this team, find a way of playing. And it's unfortunately is going to be without Calvert Lewin for this opening fixture. Um, and you know, I, I don't suspect anyone's going to judge Everton too harshly by what they do against Chelsea. But I think for you know for him for the club and also for sort of his own sort of you know managerial development one of the accusations that was that was leveled against him when he was at chelsea was that he talked a good game and and we didn't ever really see that on the pitch and that's the big challenge facing lampard this season is he 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 found a way to to, to get them out of out of the out of the bottom three last season he he got the fans on side you know where does he take them now having lost his best player in, in richarlison and, and, and having lost some of that momentum from the end of last season I think the biggest challenge facing Frank Lampard right now
2: is convincing Everton's players that this is not going to be another relegation struggle. Because we can see it. We can see they're not ready. We, we can see they've got no striker. So can the players.
0: Don't you want the players to think they're in a relegation struggle? No, you
2: want to fill them with confidence, I think, ahead of the kick-off. Mm. You want to, you, it's... it's OK, maybe I, I should rephrase that. The biggest challenge Frank Lampard faces is, is to fill the players with self-belief and confidence that they won't be in a relegation battle this season. Because if I was in that dressing room, in that squad, mm. preparing to place Chelsea, I would be a little bit nervous about it and thinking, oh, how's this going to go? I saw them in pre-season in America. I mean, they were awful. Absolutely <laughs> dire. Had five at the back. They couldn't play out from the back. They, you know, All they really had was a long ball. To release, you know, the wingers every now and again, they've gone backwards as far as I, I can see. Um Let's see how they fare this weekend, but I fear that Everton are, are going to have a really testing start to the season.
0: Right, there's some challenges ahead for Chelsea, of course. Not least getting used to the sight of uh, Raheem Sterling in a Chelsea shirt. I mean, at least it's more or less the same colour. <laughs> Gabriel Jesus at Arsenal, maybe. I, I'm, f- I'm a little bit more. I don't know. Is that going to be one of those ones that just never, never quite gets, you know, assimilated by by your brain, Laurie, What what do you think? Yeah, is it not that he's kind of doing the Italian thing and just sort of ticking off all the big
1: clubs in England? You know, like uh, how, yeah, like how you know Christian Vieri would do, I suppose, back in the day. You know, mm, yeah, so he's so. Yeah. I mean, where, where you know, he could he could go to Tottenham after this. You know, you could sort of see him there, maybe. You know, on, on the way down in his career, maybe. You know, if well, compete. you never
0: know. I mean, a lot of people have Tottenham actually finishing above Chelsea this yeah. season. But in terms of players who who you never get used to them being in a different jersey. You you so associate them with one club. I I mean for me, Gabriel Jesus is right up there with, with, with this arsenal awesome move. Mm. James Ward-Prowse was the one I, that came to
1: my mind. I don't know if you, if, if we we're allowed to sort of speculate if he ever did move. Uh, oh yeah, you know, he, he hasn't moved. So, but I, in my mind, him going somewhere else, and I know he's he's linked with other clubs, isn't he? Aston Villa, and I'm sure that he would want to kind of try himself in a in a club that had European aspirations more regularly. But um, yeah, he is for me just Mister Southampton. He's their guy. So him yeah. in
3: another shirt would be really weird imagine him weird. in a Portsmouth shirt I mean seeing as we're just kind of just plucking things out and imagine James <laughs> Ward-Prowse in a Portsmouth shirt right. how weird that would look right. how weird that would look is there a picture of on him that. in a
1: Portsmouth shirt is that what you're getting I'm at? Sure, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure
3: someone will Photoshop one for
2: him <laughs> on, on a similar vibe James seeing um, yeah. Ian Wright in a West Ham shirt just never sat yeah. right I mean just Google it just Google <laughs> it you think hang on that didn't happen that couldn't have happened but it actually did he's, he's got the you know, Dr. Martin sponsored Claret and Blue on he's celebrating a it just looks like it's. So it must have been like a charity game or something, but it, but it wasn't. Um, Lampard in a City shirt looked
3: weird. Yeah, that was wrong. George Ware at Chelsea. For me. George Ware at Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Shevchenko. Shevchenko at Chelsea. Anyone Fernando at- Torres at Chelsea. I think if if that's <laughs> sunny. <laughs> Basically, everyone who Chelsea have signed in the last ten years. I think if you if 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 you're used to seeing someone playing in red and then they go yeah. blue or the opposite, yeah. that's yeah. that's yeah. quite. Yeah. A big
0: that's my uh, Gabriel is Jesus, Adrian. Sorry,
2: uh, I see. No, I was going to say for Laurie. I don't know if he's too young to remember Alan Smith in a Manchester United shirt, but Alan oh, Smith yeah. was so Leeds. He was just Leeds. The Leeds glory era with the sort of bleach blonde hair, and for them to see him in a Man United kit, just never. Never looked right. And I don't I don't think he fell right either. No, it never honest. quite
1: worked out that move, did it? I mean, he did have glimpses of, of, of moments where he sort of thought this could work, particularly in midfield, when Ferguson decided to just, because you know, he wasn't scoring goals, okay, let's just try him in midfield. But um, yeah, I agree with you on that one. For some reason, Andy Cole in a Blackburn shirt just popped into my head. Hmm. Um, I, I don't oh, know yeah. why. That was another kind of yeah. incongruous
3: one. Good shout. It took me a long while to get used to Jack Grealish in a Man City shirt last season, for example. Um,
1: Well, is that going to be the same with Calvin Phillips and and Man City now? mm. Is that going to be... It's kind of like, as you say, I think it's the actual colour of the shirts, isn't it? So white to kind of laser blue is kind of okay on our eye, you know,
0: in terms of the palette. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It sort of goes close by, but I don't know. Anyone joining Norwich would be a a challenge. Mm. Let's talk about, though, uh, Jesus and the Gunners, uh, to to borrow a slogan from the NRA, uh, and the, the trip to Selhurst Park. Because, Adrian, you said right at the start how badly Arsenal fared and how, how important it's going to be for Mikel to get his players ready for a, a ground that's not been hospitable for
2: them. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Vieira, in both the games last season, pressed Arsenal relentlessly. It was, it was vicious, really, the way they got about them. And it, and it unsettled Arsenal and they didn't get any rhythm and they were bullied and overpowered and they were too incredibly tough Matches, they scraped a lucky draw at Emirates, battered 3 0 at Selhurst. So that's, you know, I think they'll be ready. They'll be more ready mm. for that this time around. Of course, this they've is not a got better.
0: Yeah, this is a better Arsenal side.
2: Oh, honestly, I've watched every minute of pre season and it couldn't have gone better. They've looked really fit, really sharp, cohesive. They've kept the same team, the same starting 11 for the last two friendlies. I mean, I don't remember anyone ever keeping a settled starting 11 in pre season. It's, it's, it's strange, really, but that is how sort of equipped they are for the for the first match. That the, the lineup is is sorted, and um, and Gabriel Jesus, I would grade ten out of ten for his pre season. He has been utterly electric, not just scoring seven goals in five games, but his all round play has been astonishingly good with his hold-up play, the turns, the dribbles, the creating for other players. He, he has increased the speed of Arsenal's attacks you know, by three times, I would suggest, compared to somebody like Lacazette. Everything's happening a little bit quicker, so I just hope that he hasn't peaked too soon. He, he couldn't be in better shape coming into the season, but of course... It only really matters now, doesn't it, and what what his form's like from here on in. But mm. he looks great. He looks like he wants to be the main man. He looks like a different player, and uh, yeah, he looks ready to to step up and be a twenty goal a season striker. And 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 that's pretty exciting for Arsenal fans who have already fallen in love with him. Really, they have.
0: It's um, yeah, it's it's good to see. Nice. Wilfred Zaha has also been scoring goals in pre season for whether that's worth five in three uh, friendly fixtures. What have you seen from Zinchenko so far? Um, fleeting glimpses. I mean, he's very
2: neat and tidy, isn't he? Passes beautifully. There's been a few crossfield passes to Saka where you've just gone, ah, oh, you know, sort of stop it. Um, <laughs> but but I don't think we'll see the best of Zinchenko straight away. I think he's going to start the season at left-back and he's he's a perfectly serviceable left-back. he has been injured, so he'll start there. But what I'm excited to see is Tierney return and Zinchenko move into the left side of midfield mm. um, where I think that he w- he could be a revelation for the team. He'll add real balance there. And the interchanging with Tierney and um, the movement, the underlaps, the overlaps, I think is, is quite an exciting prospect. So, yeah, he's um, technically an outstanding footballer and, and he's very Arsenal in terms of the sort of players that that, that have thrived down the years there.
0: Hi, I'm James Richardson with a quick word on the audio treats The Athletic have in store this season. Three times a week you get the award-winning Totally Football show with the likes of James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Carl Anker and Rory Smith and me. Uh, Mark Chapman hosts The Athletic Football Podcast a flashy four times a week with David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and many others. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast will have all the women's Super League coverage off the back of their brilliant Euros and the offside rule is back too with weekly episodes. That's not all. There are eight dedicated club shows. There's Adam Hurry's Joyous Football Cliché Show, Michael Cox's insightful Athletic Football Tactics Podcast, the Offbeat Tifo Football Podcast, and a revamped Football Manager Show too. You can get all of these shows wherever you find your podcasts or listen ad-free on the Athletic app.
4: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
0: Laurie, let's talk about Man United then. Come on.
4: Yeah, let's do it. Two
0: o'clock Sunday afternoon, they're going to be facing Brighton. Brighton, who blew United away only a few months ago. 4-0. Crikey. But those were different times. A different United manager. Eric Hag. this is his first Premier League game in charge. Uh, Where do you want to begin with this one? Is, Is it a Ronaldo thing? with his, him departing the Ray of Aicano friendly at half-time and people thought, well, maybe that's all right. The club has said, yes, you can. But no, Eric Ten Hag has publicly come out and, and pointed the finger at the Portuguese star. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that is the, the
1: big story, isn't it, from the whole summer. You know, the fact that just before pre-season we're supposed to... Uh, begin for him. Um, he didn't show up. You know, We talk about the personal issues that Eric Ten Hag um, keeps mentioning and you've got to respect that. But equally, you know, the wider context is he's, he wants to leave the club. So for him to leave the match before it had finished, having played in the game, there were other players that left before full time. And I think Ten Hag made a point of actually criticising them as well in this mm. interview with the Dutch broadcaster. Um, but nevertheless, you kind of think having played in the game, there's kind of more imperative on you to sort of stay in here, the kind of post-match debrief or just show your commitment in that way. You know, he did post for pictures with fans. That was probably part of the strategy, I guess, to to make sure you are seen leaving the crowd early whilst also, uh, you know, letting yourself be Keep giving the fans Wait, Ronaldo what they want, posted I suppose. The pictures
0: himself. No, no, he means? just,
1: he, no, he posted pictures with fans. Oh, I, see, but, right. I mean, I guess he knows that they're going to go viral straight away. Can, so it's. Can
0: I just butt in
2: quickly on this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Eric Ten Hag is a, is a disciplinarian. I think that much is. He's, he's a renowned disciplinarian, right? And the, the main thrust of his work in pre season is to sort of knock the players into shape. Isn't this a terrible reflection of his abilities as a disciplinarian? That not just one player, but several. Feel that it's okay to leave a match at half time. I don't I, like it's almost like they're challenging
0: him to say, well, What are you going to do about it? Just, as a, I, just, I, I, just I a brief understand. thing, Adrian. How rare is it for it to be okay to leave a match at half time? Even a friendly, I would say it's, re- I
2: would say it's rare. I might have done it myself <laughs> when I've played non league football, like a non league friendly where no one cares and I've done well, my 45, but I-
0: in a professional
2: context. <laughs> Yeah, I can't really get my head around, especially Manchester United. I can't
0: get my Manchester head around United football club. How, <laughs> yeah,
2: how, how anybody would would feel? Well, that's okay. No one's going to mind if I leave at half time. It's it's what's the rush? You're there to work. It's a it's a, it's a work day mm. unless you've been permission to clock off early. You stay, don't you? And I just think it's a it, it it's all it feels to me from the outside looking in that Ronaldo certainly being deliberately antagonistic but others are maybe also challenging the yeah the the disciplinarian style of of ten Hag, saying okay you know how far are
3: you going to go I mean, it's a thrilling subplot, isn't it? And you go back to last season and, and, and there were complaints that the, there wasn't enough genuine hatred in, in the rivalry between Liverpool and Manchester City. The, the Premier League thrives on rivalries. So to have the manager of Manchester United <laughs> already at loggerheads with the most famous player in the entire division before a ball's even been kicked. I mean, maybe the Premier League's getting its aggro back. I think a little bit of context,
1: I suppose, on the other players leaving, Adrian. I don't know what you think about this, but they were obviously in the stands, so they weren't part of the game and... and I've seen people leave matches, you know, 10 minutes before the only scouts and, and directors, if they're scouting a match, they kind of, you know, they've, they've watched enough, they can they can go and whatever, beat the traffic, I think was sort of one of the lines that was being suggested um, over the weekend. And and, and did Ronaldo leaving sort of give them a bit of a green light to go, OK, well, if he's off, we, we can go. And, and that's kind of the snowball effect that Tenard clearly wants to stamp out and he hadn't actually he probably hadn't said before the game don't leave early he probably didn't think he needed to you know um, so in a maybe way Maybe there was he's, a car share
2: maybe there was a car well, share there we go. going
1: on I need a lift home <laughs> <laughs> Well I mean it was interesting to see Cristiano Ronaldo driving in George Mendes wasn't it to Carrington when he first reported back I kind of thought that was a, an interesting dynamic but um, clearly it's going to be something that Ten Hag's got to deal with throughout the season I mean Ronaldo did his Premier League uh, media day the other day fully so you know that I don't know is that a, a sign that he's he's staying um, it, it certainly was notable apparently for people um, at the club but yeah it's something that Ten Hag as you say Adrian he's coming with a disciplinarian attitude and we saw that on pre-season tour where he was very strict with the players even in training he was stepping in when they weren't doing things that he wanted to barking at them you know swearing at them um you know and now you've got Ronaldo into the mix who clearly will push buttons if he doesn't you know he's his own man isn't he he's mm. he's, you know he's got an ego um uh, that's massive and he won't just sort of kowtow to to anybody he, he's got to
0: earn his respect and it's going to be an interesting sort of you know, struggle, I suppose, to, to watch as the season goes on. Well, yeah, it's an interesting question to resolve, not just in the dressing room, but also tactically on the pitch, given the way that United enjoyed uh, some uh, noteworthy successes without him in pre-season. We, we did a big season preview on, on Tuesday, in which James Horncastle said that he thought, despite all of this, United would be back in the top four. Laurie, your verdict?
1: I love James's enthusiasm uh, and and hope... <sighs> I, it's, I, I, what gives me hope is, is Erickson Hag and how impressed I've been with him and how clearly he is a manager and a coach different to Solskjaer and Ranić he will be on the training pitches directing people he's got a very clear idea of what he wants and in his mind how he can get it um, so that gives me faith because you look at the lineup that's going to be playing against Brighton there's, there's probably not going to be a new signing in it you know Lisandro Martinez still working his way in Christian Eriksen sort of likewise um, Tyrell Malassia we think Luke Shaw probably has got the nod on him but that's the only one that maybe you could give a toss-up to so it's going to be the same team basically as as what you know finished sixth last season in such desperate fashion now clearly Ten Hag's a, a better Manager than Ralph Ranyek, but um, you know it still adds a a really big question mark over it all. And then you look at the other teams, and I mean Adrian's waxing lyrical about Arsenal, um, which is nice. You know they've got a couple of Man City players coming that way. After all those Arsenal players that were going Man City's way uh, over the years, Um, (laughs) uh, but I mean Chelsea look a little bit ropey, perhaps. But Liverpool and City just look as strong as ever, and Tottenham, you know, with Antonio Conte, that I. Right now, I struggle to see how United make the top four personally because I think it's going to be a season where Ten Hag tries to instil these ideas and, and gets that discipline that we're talking about, but it might be a bumpy ride.
0: Mm. Brighton, meanwhile, on their eternal quest to resolve their goal-scoring issues, have signed uh, German striker Dennis Undav out of uh, European Revelations last season. Union saint gilles talks about them on the uh, Euro Totally Football show. Tony Bloom's, Belgian outfit. Then you recall they dominated the Jupiter Pro League, but missed out because of the strange kind of postseason playoff. Anyway, um, oh, speaking of Union Saint-Gillois, uh, they're currently two nil up against Rangers in the third qualifying round for the Champions League group stages. One of those goals, a hugely controversial and, let's be frank, pretty wrong-headed penalty that was awarded to the The Belgians, the second one uh, for a handball given against Connor Goldson. Uh, if you're a Rangers. And you'll know what I'm talking about. The ball basically ricochets off one of uh, Goldson's own teammates onto him, which means by the letter of FIFA's own laws, it should not be a handball. But there you go. It was given. Anyway, uh, second legs to come next week. Uh, Brighton, though, Tom.
3: Yeah, I mean, Dennis Undav, the latest man who's going to be charged with the responsibility of helping to turn some of Brighton's territorial and possession dominance in, into goals, which has proven beyond a, Will he a succession of strikers. Well, indeed, <laughs> that is that is very much the question. But I think Brighton are potentially particularly thorny opponents for for Manchester United in this stage, uh, this early stage in the, the Eric Ten Hag era, in that. You know, Erik ten Hag is is clearly a man with very clear ideas about the sort of football he wants to see, and we saw glimpses of that in pre-season. I mean, you know, some of the goals United scored in pre-season were absolutely sensational, carving teams apart, you know, passing triangles, third man runs, you know, all looking very slick. Um, but you know, Brighton are much more advanced in their football development than, than United in terms of having a clear structure and everyone knowing what their jobs are. And you go back to that meeting, the last meeting between the teams in May, when Brighton absolutely tore them apart. And and we've said so many times in recent years, oh, this must be rock bottom for United. Surely they can't fall any lower. That really did feel like rock bottom. You know, you had Ronaldo with his hands on his hips. Uh, at, at 3-0 down and Brighton could have won even more comfortably. So it'll be it will be interesting to see how successfully United are able to dominate possession in the way that, that Ten Hag wants to because Brighton are a very difficult team to disrupt. They're a difficult team to get the ball off um, and yeah, I, I think that makes it that gives it a sort of an extra, an extra element of danger because it's, it's one thing to come unstuck in your opening fixture; it's another thing to come unstuck against a supposedly inferior team who actually play better football than you. And that's what happened when these two teams met in May. So I think it'll be a really useful yardstick for that kind of early, ten hard progress to see how, you know the extent to which United are able to impose themselves. Brighton's wayform
2: was top drawer last season against the big boys: one, two, drew four, only lost two. So they're definitely. Awkward uh, match day one opponents.
0: Boom. All right. Well, we'll uh, have a quick check on some of the other other games awaiting us this weekend. Want to see the other key stats as well after this.
2: Hello, I'm Kate Borsay, co-host of the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. It's been an incredible summer. We've seen things we'll never forget, but it doesn't have to end here. We'll be back for the start of the WSL season in September and we really hope you'll be there too.
1: Follow or subscribe right now at the Athletic Women's Football Podcast wherever you get yours.
4: We're all driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to that own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash totally. That's ind dot com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at indeed.com.
3: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to michelobultra.com/courtside to learn more.
4: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie Kaye and the very best football writers around.
0: Listener, Barcelona. If they're too broke to pay their players, how can they keep signing new ones? Well, The Athletic have the answers to this. There's a, uh, a brand new article actually about this explaining it all. And if you fancy having someone tell it to you rather than using your eyes, then there is a, a special The Athletic Football podcast out on Barcelona with Ian Irving, Adam Crafton and Paul Ballas. Hmm.
3: Tom? I can't believe how much criticism Barcelona are getting for what they've been doing this <laughs> summer. At a time when we're all struggling to pay our bills, the world has never needed uh, you know, an example of how to to stretch no money um, as far as possible so mm. you know perhaps there's something we can all learn from it Talk to your energy company about levers
0: <laughs> uh, We're all off to the Lowry in Manchester next Tuesday for a special season preview and we'll probably review that opening weekend a bit as well Head to thelowry.com if you want to be there when Michael Cox Duncan Alexander and Julian Laurence take to the stage with me to talk and other things Tom, you'll be off to France this weekend for the start of a new Canal Plus season of Premier League coverage. What are the French most agog about for this new Premier League campaign?
3: Um, I think they're. I think they're asking the same sorts of questions that, that mm. we are. You know, looking at the title race and, and how you know the new signings are going to affect things. You know, who's going to settle first out of out of Holland and. And Nunez, and, and and who can who can crash into the top four? Um, bit of interest. Just in, all over in, Europe, it's the same conversations with different <laughs> accents, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty different accents, different hats, um, and also a bit, um, bit of interest in, in Nottingham Forest being back in the Premier oh, yeah. League after their uh, after their long absence. There was a, a double-page spread in in the Keep the other day about uh, about Forest being back in the big time and Brian Clough and uh, and all that. So yeah, great anticipation in France for for the Premier League and you can catch it all mm-hmm. on Canal Plus starting with me on Saturday. Uh I think was it Fulham Liverpool the lunchtime game? Yeah. Oh, that's, Sounds that's where right. it all all begins. All
0: right, Forest, their first Premier League fixture this millennium. We'll see them visit Newcastle, so New Look Nottingham Forest at Newcastle. Uh 13 signings now, I believe and 14 could be on the way because they have jizz in their plans. To uh, kind of pardon, refer- yeah, the, uh, the and the surname's good, Jis Horn Camp, Dutch striker <laughs> Jiz Horn Camp, and yes, all right. Make your jokes about clean sheets go on then Laurie. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Poor chap.
3: A, I mean what a burden to have. I mean it's not. Just just, just to say we, sh- we probably shouldn't be premature. Um, oh god, there uh, we go. There we go. It oh has, god. It hasn't yet reached the climax. Uh, Somebody was
0: asking on Twitter whether English names sound as funny or some English names sound as funny in Dutch.
3: Would you remember when, not so much Dutch, but when Arsenal was sponsored by Sega um, Mm. and it provoked some titters in Italy because Sega apparently means, James, or something? I'm asking asking you, just to clarify, I'm asking you because you speak Italian, not because (laughs) you are (laughs) a. I've heard that that. expression. (laughs) No, I
0: I, I believe it means cherished television personality. I used to get called that a lot. (laughs) No, it is is the vernacular for the. the But anyway.
1: Please, can they come up with a good song for him, the Forest fans? They've, 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 they've got lots to work with there, haven't they? Surely. If, they if
3: they don't, they want kicking out of the league. Um. I mean, I'm horny, horny,
0: horny, just as a start. You know, you right, let's get that ball yeah, rolling. Yeah,
1: yeah. I like
0: Poor chap. I, d- I feel like. I mean, I hope we've. I mean, I hope we've shot our bolt, as it were, regarding <laughs> this. Uh, because I think we just, you know, once, let's let's get it out and then we can just kind of move on. I'm being... But I mean,
3: it, you know, it looked, you know, I think we all thought that Forrest's business was done. They've signed so many players. You know, I yeah. was convinced that they'd already, you know, they'd already blown their wad. Um, mm. And here they are potentially <laughs>
0: splashing out again. So, so sorry. Should probably point out there's a fair chance that Herr Hornkamp's uh, first name is actually pronounced years, though, because, you know, he's Dutch. Adrian, uh, it is a very n- different. Nottingham Forest. So, yeah, your experience watching them in the Championship uh, counts for nothing, I guess. What about Newcastle? <laughs> well,
2: what about Newcastle? Do you know what? They, it won't, they've
0: been quite measured, haven't won't. they?
2: They have been measured.
0: Go quickly on Forest, I don't think yeah. it will
2: go for, count for nothing because Steve Cooper will we'll, I think play the same way. So it's just about getting better players in the positions. There'll still be a counter-attacking team. They'll still, you know, have a big man up front. Awoniyi is the guy with with Brendan Johnson. They still have Lingard as the sort of link man, and they'll use the flying wing back. So, so yeah, I kind of can picture what Forest will be, and I think they'll they'll be a good away team. Actually, I think that I think yeah. they'll cause a few few issues for teams. Newcastle, yeah, surprisingly measured. I like the goalkeeper choice. I think Nick Pope was the was the one you had to get out of all of the relegated sides th- this summer. He was the prize asset, and, and Newcastle were pr- pretty swift there because their goalkeeper was okay, Debravka, not bad. Mm. But Nick Pope is is a definite upgrade. I think I think he's class. Botman, it, it comes with pedigree,
3: doesn't he? Who, who knows well, how he's going to fare? Tom, you have seen but...
0: him in action at Lille, of course. Mm.
3: Yeah, fantastic player. Um, you know, big, tall, physical, left-sided centre-back. Um, looks sort of ready-made for, for, for the Premier League, really. And, and you know, he's been linked with all sorts of, of, of major clubs over the last couple of seasons. Was it a key figure in the the Lille team who, who won the, the league end title in, in 2020 2021? Um So, yeah, a bit of a coup, I think, for Newcastle to, to, to have picked him up. And I think one thing we have seen this summer is that they've been linked with a lot of big names, Newcastle. There's obviously a lot going on there in terms of you know, in terms of inquiries being made about players and, and, and I mean, certainly, you know, in, in, in the French sports media, there's been a suggestion that a, a number of players who have, have had opportunities to, to go to Newcastle have, have turned it down because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to move to the northeast of England. They don't want to live in Newcastle. So, which, which is a sign that for all their wealth and, and for all the, you know, the, um, the dynamism that Eddie Howe brought to their football in the second half of last season, that they're not yet ready to start competing for for the very biggest names in the sport. But yeah, I, th- I think Botman is a is, is a really good signing, and yeah, someone who a lot of the a lot of the big clubs were looking at.
0: Mm. Matt Target's loan deal, meanwhile, also being made permanent. In terms of competing, since the turn of the year, actually, only Liverpool, Man City, and Spurs have taken more points in the league than Newcastle. So they may well be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, sorry, Adrian, we were halfway through your thoughts on, on Newcastle before I went to Tom on on Sven Botman. Yeah, not, not too much more
2: to add. I'm surprised they haven't invested in a striker yet. I'm sure mm. they will. I, I, I like Callum Wilson, I think, and, and, and Wood's got something to offer. But Wilson's a good player, but, but we know that he's injury-prone. Uh, he, he's, he's not played a full season for quite, quite some time. So until they get that front man in... It'll be hard to judge exactly where they are, but but the way that they swept Arsenal aside at St James's Park, and I know Arsenal were terrible on the night, but Newcastle were also brilliant, and I don't think that should be overlooked. And and the atmosphere there, and that that sort of good vibes that's engulfing St James's Park at the moment, I think if that continues with a bright start to the season, it's going to be one of the toughest away trips in the division because that, yeah, they're starting to really believe, aren't they, in Eddie Howe and the, and the team. But I, th- I think to to have top six aspirations, they need two or three more good players through the door between now and the end of the window.
0: Hmm. All right. Elsewhere, Duncan Alexander pointing out that uh, this Wednesday marked the exact point that Spurs' last league title in 1961 was as close to the 19th century as it is to the present day. A Tuesday, we were toying thankfully with the notion that their next title might actually not be too far away the pitch will have the verdict on that of course and it all begins for Spurs this Saturday at 3 o'clock at home to Southampton who I mentioned are predicted to really struggle this year uh, other fixtures that are out there Bournemouth up against Aston Villa Bournemouth also predicted to struggle by literally everyone they're the bookies favourites to be relegated A Villa who've now picked up Diego Carlos out of Sevilla is that going to be a significant signing?
3: Yeah, I think it's a very good I mean, they, they did their business very early. Villa. They brought in Diego Carlos from Sevilla and Boubacar Carcamara from from Marseille. They obviously nailed down uh, Philippe Coutinho to a, um, a permanent deal as well. Um, so they look in pretty good shape. But I'm I'm kind of I'm intrigued to see what we're going to get from Villa because they really limped over the finish line last season. They won only two of their last eleven league games, and I think there was a sense quite quickly that that Steven Gerrard. Got the team playing the way he wanted them to. You know he's kind of uh, landed on this the sort of four three two one shape that that he used at, at Rangers previously. But they did they did lose momentum and and you know they they didn't. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't like things fell into place and and you know they kind of. Um, you know, sort of like flew flew to the finish line. It was it was a bit of a, a bumpy end to the season, mm. but I think having got you know having got their major business done so early and having had a full pre-season with those players, and you know a, away at Bournemouth um, is 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 quite a kind opening fixture. You know they'll be they'll be looking to looking to hit the ground running. Interesting that they've that they've changed the captaincy as well, which is something you don't get all that often. That that um, Tyrone Mings has had the armband taken. Uh, Something
2: to do to, with to do you think again. that's because Carlos has come in and that he's no longer a guaranteed starter? I think maybe that's I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's probably that's probably it, isn't it? I think, yeah, yeah. On on, on um, Villa, very quickly, um, name to look out for this season if he stays is Cameron Archer. I know that they just sold Chuck Ramaker to, to Chelsea. Cameron Archer is 20, he went on loan to Preston last season, he's played for the England junior teams, he is a goal scorer, really, really sharp in and around the box. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Ian Wright back in the day. He's that sort of style of striker. And I think he's had a very good pre-season. So he could, maybe not at the start of this season, but he could push the likes of Watkins and Ings for a starting berth. I think he's at that point now where he, he's ready to, to maybe become an impact sub at the outset. So yeah, Cameron Archer, keep your eye on him. I, from what I've seen of him, he looks, he looks a player.
0: Crikey. Villa. Uh, will be at the Vitality Stadium Saturday at 3 o'clock. At the same time, Leeds at Rowe will be hosting Wolves in what is an early six-pointer, I'm saying. Extraordinary match last time they met. That was back in March. Leeds were 2-0 down and came back to win 3-2 against Wolverhampton Wanderers, who have issues, Everton-esque issues up front. Raul Jimenez is injured. Uh, Fabius Silver's no longer there, although Adama Traore has returned from his loan spell at Barcelona, Adrian?
2: I, I don't want to talk about the game. Well, I can if you like, but um, <laughs> I went on holiday recently. Mm. Um stayed at a nice hotel, gotta say, Good. and staying there was a Premier League footballer. Oh yeah. Um by the name of, of Luke Haling of, oh. of Leeds. He was he's injured at the moment. So it's quite fun to have a Premier League footballer just sort of in this in this all inclusive resort. And the standout feature I didn't didn't speak to, I didn't didn't want to go oh. over anything, but be, be one of those busybodies. Um, but the standout thing about Luke is that he's got a portrait tattoo of his wife on his back that covers half of his back and it was incredibly lifelike it was almost like a photograph because there she was standing next to him (laughs) chatting in the pool with a cocktail and i he had his back to me and all i could see were were two versions of of his wife it was it was an incredible tattoo and it, it just struck me as how bold is that to get a half-back tattoo of your missus, right. what, that's, because the that, marriage... that's love, isn't it?
0: But, well, yeah, it's optimism as well. Plus, how's <laughs> and... she going to feel waking up every day to a like, reminder of what she used to look like? And... LAUGHTER
1: <laughs> that's it's a good great that, point it's good that you could detect that though Adrian because usually you have to like get so what who's this but you could see literally in right. front of you you, you, could, you, could, you knew it was, it was her it was right? very
2: yeah it just looked just like her so it was mm. yeah very impressive but yeah I think James makes a really relevant point oh, okay. it's going to be like yeah. looking at looking at the old days isn't it as, as time passes it finally happened. and was
3: was, was was she telling him don't look now but the former Arsenal striker Adrian Clark <laughs> is just <laughs> staring at your back on that Sun yeah <laughs> Does he I've, does he let his right, hair possibly. down on holiday, Luke Ayling? Mm. I'm guessing like i quite literally does. No, no ban up, no ban was fully really, in place, really? Yeah, for, even by the pool. it's not like the Gareth
1: Bale situation, is it? Where you know the the, the top knot is kind of covering something.
0: Oh, is the is that what's happening with Gareth Bale? That
1: that was the suggestion, Tom. You you obviously that's, were there well, when it, it kind of really? fell out
3: at the Euros a bit. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Kind of sort, of, yeah. Don't He's, don't go ruffling Gareth Bale's I, hair. I wanna, if you know what's yeah. good is for you. Is that right? Yeah. I had
0: no idea. All this time, yeah. Tom, you and I could have just been employing a top <laughs> knot, fashioned from fashioned um, from who knows where.
3: It's, it's 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 the modern Bobby Charlton. It's the new yeah. it's the new. I had over. no
0: idea that Gareth Bale, good lord, was a fellow. Strogler. I mean, that's
3: that's the allegation at least. If you if you Google, you know Gareth Bale right. bald, you, you'll you'll see. Yeah, he he you'll might see review evidence. it. He might
1: claim it was a bad angle or whatever. But you know, that's the the suggestion. Mm. And I, I was actually in a hotel with Leeds players as well, Adrian, over oh. the summer. Weirdly oh, enough, wow. Okay. They they were in our, our hotel in Perth because uh, they were they were playing in pre-season. Uh, had a, had a chat with a couple of people. They were kind of happy that they'd got their deals done early. They were saying that Rafinha. Plays very wide and, and that doesn't quite subscribe to Jesse Marsh's kind of narrow attack. So they were kind of saying, listen, it is a big loss, but at the same time, you know, we've got good money for him and we've reinvested it. So they were they were positive. But I think the pitches out there were, were awful. I think they had a couple of injuries from the pitches and
0: also the training facilities. So
1: that's one thing, I suppose.
0: At the other end of the getting their business done early spectrum are Leicester, meanwhile. Uh, just to finish off on the, of the fixture list, they're going to be at home to Brentford Sunday at two o'clock haven't signed anyone, the only Premier League club yet to have anybody coming in and they have got players going out. Now, Kasper Schmeichel this week going to Nice, which is an interesting move. Laurie, you used to work the, the Midlands beat. What's going on at Leicester? How worried are you uh, uh, for the Foxes?
1: Yeah, I hear kind of conflicting things. Um, heard that it was a little bit... Um, Unsettled, yeah, um, you know, in terms of uh, Brendan Rogers coming into I think it's his third, third and a, a bit season, um, you know, he's obviously done really well there, but is there a, a sense of, you know, you, you want to avoid it becoming stale, don't you? And, and, and I guess new signings, you know, help with that. And Catrice Michael going is, is a major change for the last, you know, 11, 11 years, I think it was. Um, and then also the fact that, you know, Wesley Fofana, Chelsea are after him. You know, Yuri Tillemans. What, what's happening there? Newcastle mm-hmm. making a bid for James Madison. It feels like a lot of clubs are trying to uh, seeing Leicester as an opportunity to benefit from. But at the same time, they've only lost Michael so far. So then, other people that are, that are close to the club say, "Well, you know, this is all um, getting very hist- histrionic." And actually, you know, Brendan Rodgers had a good pre-season with the club, and it, it's all fine. And you know, we, we we carry on. And now that they've got Fafana back fit, he was obviously missing, wasn't he, for, for a lot mm-hmm. of last season? And they really, really rate him. Um, if he if he can, can you know, can actually stay and and play. You kind of think they've got a much better chance. So I don't know. I'm really conflicted about Leicester because they they were kind of up and down last season, weren't they? After those two really solid seasons where they they failed just to make it into the Champions League at the final bit. So it, I think there'll be one to watch certainly in terms of the stories. I think there'll be there'll be stuff coming out of there. Who's well, who's
0: going to be the number one? Uh, after Schmeichel's they might,
1: they might sign someone I mean Danny Ward's the, the, uh has been the deputy for a long time and they signed right. him for like 10-11 million I think from Liverpool um, you know a good number of years ago when you know he's he, he's been playing for Wales as well so he's kind of an international he's a good goalkeeper you know he got Huddersfield promoted with that penalty shootout um, save didn't he um, so I guess he would be thinking right I've got a chance now um, but at the same time they well, might Brendan sign said, someone
2: Brendan said if we sign someone it'll be a number three he said okay, the two right. guys that are left are going to going to fight it out. That's Danny Ward and Everson, who's had a number of loan spells. He, he's a decent keeper. He's played in the EFL, um, but I think I would imagine Ward will get the nod. But Ward, I think, has been injured for part of preseason, so he's not nailed on to start the first game. So yeah, it's going to be two two rookie keepers really of, of sorts that, that battle it out at the outset. But yeah, I, I think being settled is, is not the worst thing in the world. But sure, I mean, Leicester are a very ambitious club, aren't they? They're not afraid to spend money. I, I can only assume they, they're deliberately waiting until later in the window to, to make their moves, depending on on who they lose. Yeah, I think they might lose Tiedemanns, but, but they're probably working on a possible replacement now and maybe the same for, for the other guys.
3: Well, there were interesting. There were some interesting quotes from Brendan Rodgers a few days ago, where he was saying that he ha- hadn't realised that there were, if not financial difficulties, then financial financial constraints that he hadn't been aware of, mm. uh, and was then subsequently made aware of. Um, so he, it seems to be that his understanding is that that there perhaps isn't a huge amount of of, of cash to spend. Um, I don't
1: know if that's FFP or if it's the the duty free. You know, King Power. Uh, sort of business taking a bit of a hit after the pandemic, and you know the fact that obviously people weren't <laughs> going through airports as, as frequently. But I think I think FFP might be a, a thing that they're considering at the moment. Yeah.
0: Mm. Cool. Uh,
3: many, many- but, but I mean, like as as ever, we get you know when you when you come to preview the new season, it's it's normal to kind of focus on transfers because they're you know the most exciting things. You know, new faces and people posing with their kits and all the rest of it. But you know, there was that, that season not so long ago when Tottenham went into the season having not signed a single player and actually had a, a, a brilliant season. If, if you've got... A good group of players if you've got a coach who um you know whose ideas are in place and, and if you've got everyone pulling in the same direction that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be left by the wayside uh, against all the teams you have done loads of business so it, it need not be uh, a death knell for Leicester's ambitions even if as a Leicester fan you would you'd probably hope to see a, a, a few more faces through the door between now and um, the end of the window
1: We'll bringing it full circle that's obviously 95-96 you don't mean anything with kids and how Ferguson sold you know three main players and, and brought in a load of youngsters but on, on that Tottenham thing I would just say I, there's certain people that think that that summer that they didn't sign anyone they might have had a good season but then it also laid the foundation for the, the implosion the that Chepacino yeah, yeah. had so the, the, you know, the, the refreshment needed to be continuous rather than yeah uh, that was that was their season I think to, to make a move and, and they didn't and okay they might have had a good one but then it kind of had a knock-on effect later down the line
0: hmm well, that's less positive for Fox's fans. Anyway, there you go. Brentford will be their visitor Sunday at two o'clock. And Monday we'll be back to review all of the results from this opening round of the brand new Premier League campaign. Do join us for that, listener. For now, though, may I say many, many thanks to Laurie Whitwell for joining us today. Laurie, have you got any Man United or similar content up on The Athletic that people should look out for? Uh, Yeah, well, just to continue the doom and gloom, um, I've got a a piece uh, talking
1: about welcome to managing Manchester United, Eric Ten Hag, which is (laughs) touching on the Ronaldo issue, the fact that they haven't signed his main target, Frankie de Jong, talks over Benjamin Zesco the, the the young striker at Red Bull Salzburg a, a kind of difficult um has anything you know massively changed it just just the kind of you know the, the, and the media focus that you get at Manchester United you know he he's trying to put an end to any disputes internally with, with players I Ajax yeah that might have been job done he's got the authority at Manchester United it doesn't quite work like that
0: Wow. All right. Well, if you're a United fan or an ABU just wanting to rubberneck, that's where you should <laughs> head. And meanwhile, Adrian and Tom, people can enjoy your work in the brand new and exciting publication, the
3: Totally Football Book. Yes, I've written a piece about Gareth Bale and his relationship with Wales. Um, right. And I believe you can pre-order the Totally Football Book already. Um, I saw Nick Miller at the um, the Arsenal All or Nothing Premier the other night, and I asked him how it had all gone, and he seemed very pleased. Well, that's thumbs good. up all round.
0: Excellent, Adrian. What, what's your bit on in the book?
2: Um, it was looking at looking at the EFL season just gone, but mainly it was the 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 trend and fashion for former youth coaches to be handed the reins with, with EFL clubs and and how they thrived. I mean, it, it's incredible the change in the last twelve to eighteen months of. The style of manager that we're seeing right across the 72 EFL clubs. So, yeah, hopefully it's an interesting read.
0: Brilliant. Nice one. Well, that'll that'll be out. When's the book out, Tom? Uh, I think October the 1st. October the 1st. Is the
3: release date.
0: Pre order now while trees last. Good. Uh, We have come to the end of today's show. So, as I say, many thanks to Laurie and to Tom and to Adrian and producer Charlie. And you, listener, everybody, have a great weekend. Enjoy the football and we'll see you Monday.
4: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.